Welcome to Gold with Jeanette Schneider, nuggets of inspiration for a bigger, badder, more purposeful life. Each week we share wisdom, insights, and gold from those living their very best lives. After 23 years in finance and a fancy SVP title, I left corporate America to advocate for women and girls in life, love, the boardroom, and the marketplace. Now the CEO of my own media company, my goal is to change the world for my daughter and her friends. My first book, Lore, Harnessing Your Past to Create Your Future, dropped late 2018 and is based on what women wish they would have known when they were girls. This is purposeful content, big conversations, and a safe place for us to share our goals and our dreams for the future. We record every week from the sound studio at The Space LV. Rabbi Jacob Rupp is the most woke Orthodox rabbi I've ever met, and this conversation is next level amazing. We talk about the fundamental need to ask yourself what it is you want in life, to understand what excites you and why you should follow your own heart, not the guidelines man provides. He also reminds us that many times religious concept has been lost behind the human and to go back to the fundamentals, not the one who has framed it for you. We walk through the unwinding of belief systems, turning them from parent formed to a personal relationship with your higher power, be that God, universe, Allah, etc. Rabbi Rupp reminds us that God desires a broken heart and is bigger than petty human emotions. Then he quotes Tupac. Rabbi Jacob Rupp grew up in a spiritually ambiguous home with a loving but highly dysfunctional dynamic and a desire to help others. He realized he wanted to become a spiritual teacher before he truly understood Judaism. Rabbi Rupp is a rabbi, coach, syndicated columnist, podcast host of Lift Your Legacy, speaker and business strategist. He helps clients achieve clarity on goals and strategies, become honest and forgiving with themselves and others, and live more spiritually connected lives. He does one-on-one performance in marriage counseling, group coaching, and is a keynote speaker. Rupp draws from the gamut of cutting-edge business, relationship, and leadership strategy, and roots them in ancient Jewish tradition. Rabbi Rupp has been happily married for over a decade, has four children, lost over 100 pounds, and built his own business, Lift Your Legacy. He helps those who are driven and spiritually seeking to obtain access to the tools they need to live purpose-driven lives. He also started and grew a social media marketing platform focusing on helping workers who wish to identify and create alternative income streams and communicate their messages out to a wider audience through the medium of podcasting. Rabbi Rupp holds two BAs, one from the University of California, San Diego, and the other from Ora Lagola Hertz Institute for International Teacher Training and was ordained by the former head rabbinic judge in Jerusalem. He is an avid reader and is continually engaged in the study of Torah, leadership, psychology, and related fields. Let's dig in. I am so excited to have on with me today Rabbi Jacob Rupp, who has been a lovely person to converse with. I was on your podcast recently, and we had such a great time. We didn't even get to our topic. So thank you so much for joining me on mine today. It is my pleasure. Thank you. Absolutely. We were originally going to talk about co-parenting and conscious conscious parenting. We ended up talking about uh, belief systems and the patriarchy and conscious parenting. So one day we'll we'll get together and get back to the, <laughs> the original topics. I'm um, looking forward to it. Yeah, but I really wanted to have you on mind today because I love that you your practice is really focused around mindset and spirituality. And I know that you do a lot of deep coaching and one-on-one work. Um, you um, are a rabbi, you have um, this wonderful following and can really get deep into spiritual practice 
and um, mindfulness, which I find to be really fascinating. And I think I, we talked about on my podcast, you know, I come from a high uh, control religion. So for me to talk to someone who is deeply immersed in spirituality and religion, but also really understands the practice of mindfulness and why it's so important to work on ourselves is such a gift. So I'm just thrilled to get into that with you. But I wanted to start by asking you, how did you end up on this path? Well, that's a great question because obviously life drives you on whatever path you are on. And it's just a matter of the perspective to see, oh, you know, this is this is what led me here. So as most people would say, in fact, it's a concept from the Bible that a, that a righteous person falls seven times and gets up. Now, I'm not calling myself righteous, but certainly that process was how I found myself where I am today. Uh, I, I There was a bunch of different challenges that I had growing up in terms of seeing my own parents' marriage, my, I was, I was very much loved, but in a way I was always sort of looking for that man's role in, in my life. I did not feel that my father was able to show emotion, that he was really present. It's just so funny because the way that you grow up is normal for you. But then when I compare that to how I have chosen and am in the process of raising my own children, I'm like, wow, so much of that was just not there for me. Mm -hmm. And subconsciously or consciously, I'm trying to provide what I lacked from my family background. I'm trying to put that into my own parenting. Um, So specifically speaking, I did not feel, I, I felt like I had to do a lot in order to be great, as opposed to the fact that I was intrinsically great already. Uh, that's very difficult as a person, as a child, because we therefore feel like we are always trying to, I can tell you personally, I was always not enough and I was always having to do more. So I would have to get better grades and I had great grades. You know, uh, I, I did not feel comfortable with how I looked. I didn't feel that I was ever going to make, you know, my, my parents proud, even though they told me they were proud of me. My mom told, told me she was proud of me. Um, but that, that was the first real step. I didn't have a lot of clarity um, which I think is a beautiful thing from at least my generation is that we came, you know, my parents were very much part of the corporate America system, you know, between the 50s and the 80s that developed. And I didn't really know where I wanted to go. And I really did not like religion growing up. I was raised Jewish. My father is not Jewish, uh, but we were raised, you know, I, I ate bacon and drove on the Shabbat and all kinds of stuff. Uh, and I just thought that was normal. I started learning more about my religion. I, I, really, the times that I started to slow down was when I would read ideas in psychology or I would read ideas about my religion that sort of touched on real things. And I was like, wow, you know, so much of what I had been given was stuff to do or we do this or this is the group that we're part of. But but it never really demonstrated its value in the world of ideas. And as soon as I saw that it did, I was really fascinated. Um, I decided I wanted to become a rabbi before I even knew much about Judaism because I was deeply passionate about helping other people. And uh, even though, well, I saw a rabbi do that. That was not usually how we view clergy. Mm -hmm. Um, I would say at least how, how I did not view clergy, but I saw a rabbi that did do that. And I was like, that's great. I'd like to do that. Um, my wife is Hungarian. We met, I was, uh, we met when, when I was 18 and she was 18, we were at UCSD and I, she grew up with no background as most people coming from the, you know, former communist countries, uh, have, but, and I was trying to teach her a lot about Judaism as I understood it, which was not really that terribly traditional. And she actually got much more into the traditional components of religion and of Judaism, which also created a huge crisis of conscience for me. 
um, fast forward, I don't know, 15 years and here we are with four children and, uh, you know, I'm a rabbi and she's, you know, both of us are, are, are I think we have a very organic and honest uh, approach to our growth and, um, you know, really enjoying the life that we have. I love that. There's a couple of words that like really struck me as you were talking. Um, you talked a lot about choice and I think it was really interesting um, that you ha- kind of have chosen the, the parent and the husband and the rabbi that you want to be. You didn't fall into any of the kind of stream of consciousness, this is just the way things are, but you specifically picked out things that resonated with you and that was the other word, resonance. And I, I really appreciate that because sometimes I feel like we're on autopilot and we have a tendency just to kind of soak in the information that's been given to us. Um, and I don't know if it's because we have similarities in the sense, like I, you know, having a, a, a parent who wasn't 100% present there for you, if it gives you kind of more of a, uh, a, a removed perspective where you're looking at the world like, does this make sense? Um, because I experienced a similar kind of thing where it's like, I'm going to choose my path. I'm going to choose things that make sense to me and resonate me. And I'm going to kind of disavow myself from the things that don't feel right. Um, and maybe that's also because some of the things I was learning were from people who I also didn't 100% respect. So there might have been something uh, along those lines. But I love the fact that your your wife kind of was drawn to the tradition and you say that it brought about a crisis of conscience for you. Can you talk to me a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. If I could just circle back to really support what I, what I was hearing you say, mm-hmm. I think that there's multiple levels of resonance. I think that deep, deep down, we sort of know who we are and what we want and what makes sense to us. Um, I, I appreciate that so much of the way that we see the world is sort of superimposed on us based on nurture and nature and all that kind of stuff. But I think that deep down, almost past a point of of being able to logically articulate it, there's something that just kind of sometimes it feels right. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was on one level what I connected to. And on the other level, um, the idea that that... I, the first time you really see that you can be something different than you are, you know, that, that so often as children, we feel like we're sort of locked into a certain way of being. And then, you know, it's like, well, we, we never, you know, we never had money or I was, for me, it was like, I was always fat. And then the, the first time I realized, oh, I can actually like lose weight was just like my world came apart. And I was like, well, if I can do this, what other things can I, mm-hmm. w- like what else is on the table for me to, to tinker with? Mm-hmm. Um, specifically to, to, to go back to the question that you asked about my wife, the reason why I created a, a crisis of conscious conscience for us, for me specifically is because as a, just a very, very, very fast overview. I grew up as a reformed Jew. There's not different streams of Judaism. It's various Judaism has always been, based on three tenets. One is that God exists. The other one is that God told us what to do. And that the third tenet is that it matters what we do. Mm-hmm. Um, now, various other, they're not streams really, that essentially they are borrowing that and then sort of superimposing a modern, quote unquote, which is really ancient philosophies on top of it to kind of get you a a nice hybrid. So essentially the Judaism that I practiced growing up basically said that that the individual is in charge of figuring out their morality. Now, obviously, from a philosophic point of view, that is completely incompatible with uh, the fact that there's a God and that he tells you what to do or she, it, whatever you want. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, but But suffice to say that while I was proud to be Jewish, the Judaism as I perceived practiced by my ancestors, even going back to as recently as my great grandparents was 
in my mind, completely crazy backwards and completely out of step with the modern world, mm -hmm. which is a very good way to categorize anything you don't know much about and uh, to live your life, you know, based in that kind of judgment. I That's so interesting because I, I, I understand that so well, right? Like this kind of afraid of the other, confused by it. But also there's so many people who have been raised within religious kind of, I call them rappers, right? So like spiritual or religious rappers where here are the beliefs that have kind of been given to you and you're comfortable with them and anything outside of them is foreign and uncomfortable, right? But at some point in time with most individuals that I've either come across or who are having some crisis of faith, who are having their dark night of the soul, who are having some kind of moment where they're being broken open, there is that questioning of, is what I believe and was taught true? Does it resonate with me? And what's outside of this this wrapper? And it's kind of, it's it's starting to allow that trust within and that personal relationship, I believe, with your higher power to kind of emerge, which I don't think that a lot of times we have the ability to wrap our heads around. You know, growing up being kind of spoon-fed religion, I was very confused as to what my beliefs were. And I remember even sitting with someone who was studying with me at one point in time. I was in trouble. I was in trouble a lot. Most, <laughs> like, most of the good things happen in those situations. Right? So I was like, I want to say I was like 20 years old and I was doing bad things. And so like there was an elder who was having a conversation with me and, you know, he was trying to get me back on track. And every time he'd ask a question, I would say, well, I was taught to believe. And he stopped and he closed the book. And this is probably a gift he didn't mean to give me. But he said, you keep saying, you answer every question I was taught to believe. What do you actually believe? And I just remember sitting there being like, I don't know. I have no idea. And that started kind of my crisis of conscious, right? Conscience. That was like me going, I actually have, there's no space between what I believe and what I was told. I don't know. And it started almost like a 10-year pilgrimage back to faith where I had to figure out, what was true for me and what wasn't. And I just, I think it's so interesting. And I, I know that you coach. So in your coaching, do you find that there's a lot of conversations around this, around people trying to kind of get back to belief systems or faith as they're working on themselves? Well, I, I think that the, the, so it's funny, I just read Mark Manson's new book, which I'm not going to go into the title here. Everyone's welcome to uh, to look it up. I happen to love him as an author. He's written two books and uh, is very is, is great because he has all kinds of bad words in the title, so it's very compelling. <laughs> um, these are things that rabbis, I don't think, at least for me, I'm not ready to start, you know, really implementing into my work. But, um, you know, you could read something as, as contemporary as 2019 Mark Manson, and then you could go back into the prophets, and the prophets speak about, you know, sort of the cyclical nature of how we come to things. And I think that one of the most basic problems that we have, and it's not in religion, it's 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 in life and and this is like literally you know um i was i was speaking to a a friend a client i you know i always i see my clients as friends because i feel like if you don't care for the people you're working for um you don't really have a business to work with them and you won't be terribly effective but this person was sharing the inability to speak up about what they wanted in a physical relationship and and you know that that they couldn't say it and that it wasn't respected and 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 how do they go about dealing with it and i was like how do you how do you even have a relationship where you're not comfortable showing up as yourself and mm -hmm. this person in, in, in informed me that this was a widespread problem and i'm like oh wow I, I didn't know that was a problem so the reality is it's not just a religious problem i think in general there's so much of a rush to 
qualify and to put ourselves into a box and to find someone that's done it before us and you know oh I'm this type of entrepreneur or I'm that type of business mm. person or I'm this kind of girl or you know whatever guy whatever it might be um, that we we've lost ourselves in the process of our own lives and that is that is not again crucially that's not just a religious problem um, you it's an it's a scary thing because it opens it up and it makes it much more well like what do you feel and you're like well I didn't think I had a right to feel anything and it's like well no it's your life and if you just live according to someone else's life you know they're going to drop dead and you will have built a life around what they wanted and that's your fault you know you have to take that ownership and then you know once you can start asking the big scary questions like what should I do and how do I deal with uncertainty and what do I actually believe in and what do I actually want? And, you know, here I might have checked off all of the really religious boxes, but I don't feel like I'm in a relationship. It's just I've done I'm a good I'm a good boy or girl and I've done what I'm supposed to do. But like I don't fit in the picture. That's 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 an ingredient for a massive breakdown somewhere down the road where you just look around and you realize you're living a completely ingenuous life. I love well, I love where this is going because the whole idea of qualification of self, right? We're constantly looking for valid validation externally or to kind of normalize our behavior. And I've thought about this because if you think about it, there is like terminology for everything that we do. And we're normal if we fit within specific terminology. You know, you can go to any kind of, oh, well, she's an extrovert or introvert. He's a, a this or a that. And we find these labels to attach to ourselves to explain our behavior. And I'm, and some of them, of course, are medically and psychologically valid. Um, but I think I, I really appreciate what you said about kind of this need to almost qualify who we are externally, that we so lose touch with what we want, how to ask for what we want, right? Whether that's in a relationship with another person or, you know, with ourselves or spiritually. Um, and I, and I, I think that's really, it's, it's almost kind of a sad thing when you get to a point and you recognize, like, I don't know not only what I believe, but I don't also know how to advocate for myself in the world. Right. Well, for sure. I mean, that's that's the. I mean, that that's really the 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 core issue, which is you you know I oftentimes will t tell all of friends, clients, whoever I'm whoever I'm speaking with that you will see all these different manifestations of that exact point, which is you know maybe I'm not making enough money, maybe I can't stand up to my wife or husband. You know, I mean, like literally, I was sitting with a with a client. And he was, you know, super successful individual who is supporting his family and has been, you know, it is, you know, been married for close to two decades and everything like that. And was sort of saying, I'm a, I'm a selfish a-hole. And I said that anyone that's actually a selfish a-hole wouldn't sit here and try to work on their problems and be concerned that their, you know, family isn't doing the, the, the way that it should be or that, that they want it to be. And I, and I, I looked him in the eyes and I just said, you're not a selfish a-hole. And, and he started to cry. Mm. And it's just... It's an amazing thing when we have gotten so used to telling ourselves we're a certain way and that really doesn't resonate with who we are and just the power of someone having the ability to look in our eyes and say, you're not actually that, you're not actually stupid, you're not actually uh, you know, unable to accomplish this. I think that that is such a sense of, of freedom that I mean, I joke about this. I say like people pay me a ton of money to ask them questions or to tell them stuff that they already know, mm -hmm. but that's really the truth. But if you can't look yourself in the eye and tell yourself that, then you need to hire someone to do it because that experience 
is such an unlocking um, process that that after that, it's suddenly like, well, you know, kind of what can't I do? Right. Oh, exactly. Well, it was, you know, I had my own experience. I've had several experiences where it's kind of like you're kind of moving to that next level of yourself, right? And, you know, I stumbled across the one in um, when I wrote my book, Lore, and I wrote a love letter to my younger self. And the very first sentence was, you will believe most of your life that you're unlovable. And that just like knocked the, the air out of me, right? I was completely shocked to actually write those words on paper and know that they came out of my subconscious. And Wait, then can to- you can you walk? The, I'm sorry, you know, honestly, like I, I think I'm I, I enjoy interviewing because I think that your your story is so phenomenal. How do you relate to that idea that you were shocked by what came out of you? Tell, tell people about that. I think for me, it was, I knew that I was making mistakes in relationships. I knew that sometimes I had a hard time using my voice to advocate. Um, I didn't realize I was locked into a victim blame kind of dance, right? I think it was more I had my defenses up and I was like, not poor me, but there was kind of a little bit of that. Um, like, I don't know how to get this together. But at some point in time, you recognize that there, the common denominator in your loss or sadness is you, right? So if you have multiple failed relationships, if you've had similar relationships with the folks that you've worked with, at some point in time, you start to look internally. And I was like, what am I doing? And I knew, and I think here's the other thing. I grew up with an alcoholic addicted parent, right? So I think a lot of times I assumed everything was that without looking at some of the other insidious little beliefs or weird kind of conversations or traumatic events that seemed lesser than having a tough childhood with a parent who had issues with addiction. And so I really didn't look over the course of my life and instead kind of assigned blame to this one specific thing. And so it was as I was doing this visualization exercise where I was like, okay, let me get in touch with this younger version of myself. What does she look like? Who is she? That's when like it came to me, you will spend most of your life believing you are unlovable. And it shocked me because no one had ever said those words. So I don't think I knew that the belief was there because the words had never been said, right? I had people in my life who had loved me, but for some reason either left me or hurt me at some point in time because I was showing up with not that I didn't bring value, but I didn't believe I had value. So I had to kind of reprogram myself from that new space where I recognized, oh, wow, like I need to not just blame things on my mom, but like look over the course of my entire life and say, okay, where have I picked up some of these beliefs and some of these hurts that have made me walk into life with this expectation. It was deep work. It's not something that you just do one time and you're like, oh, I wrote this letter and now I'm healed. <laughs> it was no, like... No, I, I mean, I think that that's also super important is, and not to not to put you completely out, you know, in the open, but to say that I would venture to... Do you ever, do you ever fall back into that? Do you ever sort of feel that way sometimes and then sort of realize like, oh, that's still there? Um, so I have a ton of self-awareness now. So if I start to catch my mindset, I and mean, I want to talk to you about this mindset shifts, right? So I can tell now if my mindset is starting to shift. I, can, mm. I know my behavior so well. I know my physicality so well. I know so much about myself at this point that I can put myself in check pretty quickly. If I start to act jealous, if I start to act resentful, I will actually now say those words out loud because I need to own them and process them instead of getting back into that, oh, poor me kind of thing. Um, but that's, that's, those are tools that I've put into place 
where I've created a self-awareness. There are new triggers. There are things that will happen where I have a new experience with someone and they'll trigger something. And then because because now I know to call it a trigger and I'm self-aware enough to say, okay, is there another layer under there that I didn't know and that I need to pull out? Um, so I think for me, it's, it's knowing my mindset so well that I can kind of navigate those tough situations, you know, and kind of check in with myself and say, this feels weird. Why am I acting out of character? And that's one of the things I wanted to talk to you about is, is mindset. Cause I know that you talk quite a bit about that. And I think so many times we get caught up in our old stories and victim blame and we don't even know that we're doing it right. We don't even know that. We're blaming others and saying, oh, well, it's because of this person or they did this to me. We don't even realize that we're creating a victimization of self. And I'm curious with you, like what would you recommend for someone who's wanting to really get their arms around what a healthy mindset looks for them? Well, that's a that's a great and very very loaded question <laughs> in the sense that no, I, I mean, and and I I as 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 a as an interviewer, I unfortunately I understand the quandary that you're in because it's like, well, how do you, how do you ask this person how, like what they do? Mm-hmm. And, and the, to, to, rather than tell you what I do, I want to tell you what I try not to do. Tell me. What I try not to do is, is when I was working as a, I was a, I was a campus rabbi at UCLA for eight years. And so basically the premise of what I was doing was I was speaking to people that did not see the value of religion about what religion is it? We don't really have missionaries in Judaism, but like for the, for the, you know, for the, for the uh, conventional way of saying it, I was, I was missionizing to other Jews that were not as, um, that, that we, you know, we're not as aware of their heritage as I was. Mm-hmm. And I walked into all of the conversations with a very specific goal of where I wanted it to go. And as I got older and as I sort of I don't know, like had my own stuff crash against the rocks enough times, I realized that I don't have that anymore. And when I sit down with someone, I, I'm there honestly to listen to them. Mm-hmm. I'm there honestly to, to hear like, well, what, what is, what do you want? And I think that that's, it's so easy to say what we don't want, but then being able to open yourself up and ask, well, what do I want is such a fundamental point that I guess that's usually where I would say anyone should start mm-hmm. is if you don't know what you want, if you're not aware of what you want, if you can't, if you're not excited about stuff in your life, like that's the first thing to look at mm-hmm. and what would excite you in your life. And it's, it, that's the thing. It's like, I'm not there to tell you what you want. Like it's, it's your life. You know what I'm saying? Like when I do business consulting, I don't know the business anywhere near as well as the business owner that I'm speaking to, but I know that he knows what it, what a goal that would you know scare him and excite him might be, or what the business he's trying to build would look like. He knows that, but maybe he can't tell himself that. So then I have to just sort of be that intermediary between him and himself, if that makes sense. So I think that the first step to anything is what makes you feel inspired, because those are all things that you carry the potential in you to to have if if you know if having a family inspires you and you you really look forward to that like certainly I I had growing up so that's that's a part of what that's a part of my destiny you know so I I feel like there's very few things that we look forward to and we're excited about that are not worth us endeavoring to get there um because 
why else would we want it? Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it does. And I think that's one of the things I loved about – so like the, the new era of self-help I think is less guru-esque. <laughs> In the past, it was like I've written this book on the 10 steps of the way that you can fix your life. And now what I love about it and like even my book, I'm like I, I am not here to tell you how to fix your life. I'm here to guide you back to yourself. Right. So my book is full of questions and internal reflections. And I've had so many people who have called me crying and like, oh, my God, this is such hard work. I'm like, all I've done is ask you questions and given you permission to hold space for yourself. Right. I'm just asking you to commit to your higher self once again. And I think that's such a profound thing for people to hear that someone's holding space for them to look within and to speak their truths. And the other thing that I kind of recommend is because we are in kind of a society where there's a lot of, hey, like, what do I want? I want a nice car. I want – like, you, we attach success to material items and, and money and wealth and, and achievement. And I think one of the things I also recommend is tell me what your ideal partner feels like. What, are, what is it, character and values do they bring mm. into your life? What kind of feelings do you want your child to have about you as they're growing up? What are the, give me adjectives and, and characteristics that explain the life you want to lead. Because I don't think we do enough personal reflection on those things. Yeah, it's great to put down the goals and be like, I want to be at you know 2x revenue, 3x revenue within 24 months. Cool, good on you. You should do that. But what kind of husband are you? What kind of father are you? What kind of human being are you? Well, or more than that, that builds I, a life. I, I love that. And that, that is, that is so important. I had two semi breakthroughs where these ideas just kind of come to me, I guess. And I'm not, if, if, if they're good, they're not mine. And if they are not, if they're not good, then they, then I'll take responsibility for messing it up. (laughs) But, um, one of, one of the concepts is that, you know, we think that if we get to a certain place, we'll feel like the people who are at that place feel Mm -hmm. right. So it's like, if, if you're broke and then you, think about someone that has tons of money, you think that that guy doesn't feel the way that you feel. And through my experience of working with, you know, just people at, at, at every level, um, no one, n- no external factor, be it your level of religiosity, your level of, I, 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 I'm afraid to say it, even your level of spirituality, mm-hmm. um, your level of your, your financial uh, well-being, th- that doesn't ever guarantee a certain method of feeling. And what you have to start thinking is like, well, how do I want to feel? Mm-hmm. Like, what am I? Re- what do I want? Like, exactly like you're saying. And then that's something you could already start to tweak now. So you don't have to wait until you have five billion dollars in the bank because what you really want is that sense of I'm in control of my destiny, or I'm, you know, I'm being adequately compensated for the work that I do, or I feel good and 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 living in an abundant mindset. Like you can fix all that stuff now before you get the five billion, and you might find you don't even need the five billion if you can get to that that place Such in the first place. Such a great place. point. Yes. Sorry, I had to. I'm just like yes. <laughs> no, it's good. No, I love it. So so and the and the other point, which which to, again to to. I, not not that I'm I'm in any way trying to strengthen your point because I think your your point was strong enough on its own, but just to sort of point out that the more and, and I appreciate the um, I appreciate the controversial nature of what I'm about to say, and I hope I don't offend anybody. But the more that people put their hands on religion, the more that the religion ceases to be about the person who is practicing it, and the more it is about what they have to be for the person that taught them the religion. 
And I think that mm. that's a a fundamental problem that it's not just self-help. I think it's it's really the concept of religion and leadership and all this kind of stuff in general is the more that it becomes about the framer and not about the concept, then the more the the person that's following the framer feels totally locked in. And ultimately, you know, Judaism was not, Judaism really came about with with Moses and the and the Jews in the desert, and there was thousands of years again using just kind of the Bible as as a backdrop. You know, Adam and Eve and Abraham and 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 Isaac and Jacob. And I, I appreciate, of course, I, you know, I went to college and I and I have a a fair amount of uh, dabbling in in psychology and 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 philosophy. So I appreciate that the idea of even thinking about these. Um, personalities as as real entities is uh, probably a stretch for the mass majority of where people are right now. But um, but but to realize that these people were not Jewish, and the Jews, when they when there was that you know God giving over the the, the Torah, the Bible, which is which is a basic principle of any Christian or Muslim uh, faith, I believe as well, is that it wasn't about someone, some man or woman telling you, you should be this, Mm -hmm. but rather it was a revelation of the deeper sense of what you are on the inside. Just a, just a quick, if I could concept, it says that when, when the, the patriarch Jacob was on his deathbed, he wanted to reveal to his 12 sons, the, what was going to happen, you know, in the future, like what the end goal was. And then he he starts telling them about who they are. He says, you know, you have a temper, and and you you kind of stepped up to the plate. And the the concept there is that what will be is largely immaterial. What matters is who are you? Mm-hmm. What are you gonna do? Because that's the whole thing. Like we we always rush with all of my clients when we get to a point where they look at themselves and they say, I don't really love myself. I don't really feel good about myself. Then the, always 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 the next step is, so what do I do? And it's like, no, that's the same problem of there's something out there outside of you that you need to do. Let's sit for two seconds and realize that you're unhappy with yourself. What do you need? What do you do? What you need to do is obvious, right? But it's about taking time to sit in the awareness. And again, as anyone that does yoga or I, I'm a big fan of Brazilian jiu-jitsu, this concept just kind of sitting in an uncomfortable position for a while and just kind of sitting there and, and learning to become comfortable. It works in sales also. Like learning to be comfortable with the quiet that follows after you ask for the order is like, that's a big step. That's in fact the biggest step because out of that comes all the success. It's so I well I love first of all the the concept of well the the idea that sometimes the concept is lost behind the human. I think when it comes to religion is such a big um, point to to kind of take away. And one of the things that I think has turned people off from religion. So I love that kind of call to some extent that the there is spirituality and you know there's whatever your belief system is I I personally consider myself more spiritual than religious and I have a personal relationship with God and I uh, prefer that over any type of other um individual who's asking me why I'm not at church or checking in on me (laughs) or what have you or or holding me to some kind of guidelines um but I also think that it's there's a lot of people who I think are almost afraid of of God and afraid of a relationship. Slow, slow that down and, and explain what you mean by that. Well, I think that in a lot of, of belief systems, especially in those that are a little bit more high control, a little bit more... You have um, to dance so carefully around defending people. I love it. I know. I'm trying. I'm qualifying everything I'm saying right now. Um 
I think that, and I've seen this personally and with my friends, that there is such an unwinding of the old beliefs and the men who are in charge and the kind of like the judicial system within that oversaw or the beliefs or who you were supposed to be, they're so deeply entrenched in your DNA that a lot of times people have to almost like unwind themselves from them because the God that they know scares them. It's the God that has hellfire and brimstone or the God that's going to pass judgment or the God that, you know, blah. And it takes them a while to get past that and be like, wait a minute, these are all things said to keep me in line and keep me safe and to keep me within, you know, a framework now let me go find out if that's actually what I believe because the God that I have a relationship with now is not the God of my childhood. The God of my childhood was, was scary and jealous. And so I think to me that it's, if anything, if anyone's listening to this and is like, ah, I'm afraid of that, I would simply say, you're on your own path. It's going to take you a while, but don't be afraid to do the unwinding. Don't be afraid to, to ask the questions or I remember being afraid to pray. I didn't think that I was allowed to or that I was worthy of, of approaching God in prayer because I was a sinful person. And so can we just can we just um, jump back onto that? And and this is a this is a, a I'm so sorry for cutting you off. Hopefully you for, you forgive me for that. Um, but but that point that you just made is literally repeating the point that you made about being unlovable. Mm-hmm. It's literally the same point. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's exactly the thing is when people are afraid just to, I I really, I cut you off and I apologize and I want you to continue with what you're saying. But when people think that God is a certain way, this is a, one of the fundamental Jewish teachings, you know, it's like that there's, there's like 10 commandments and the first five deal with man and God and the next people and God and the next, you know, six through 10 deal with um, the hu- humanity, you know, don't steal and, and you know, commit adultery, those mm-hmm. kind of things. And the interesting thing is honoring your parents is the fifth commandment, which is beyond the God side. And so the concept there is that parenting is really the process of setting up the spiritual awareness of the child. And so very often, and again, I can't, you know, I'm a, I'm a parent, I know this is true. How many people can say that, that their relationship with their parent was 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 perfect and without drama and all that kind of stuff like nobody can because no one has perfect parents and no one's going to be perfect parents but the relationship that you have with god is usually part and parcel 1000 percent the kind of relationship you have with your parents so if somewhere growing up in your youth you got the message i'm unlovable that's going to directly translate to even if you didn't tell me that i would say oh you probably don't feel like god loves you god you know cares Mm -hmm. what you have to say that you have a a valuable opinion because it's it's the same thing Mm. That's like, I mean, it's it's true, right? And it's such a correlation. And I think, I I just remember the first time I started praying again, right? And just being like, qualifying even my prayers. I wrote about this recently where I was even like, hey, I'm sorry. I know that, you know, I shouldn't be here. But I, and I, I know sometimes I only reach out when things are tough, you know, and I'm not even sure if you're 100% there. And there's a lot of qualification of and being afraid of. And finally, over time, as my relationship with self 
and my love for self grew, my relationship with God also changed to where I am in conversation, you know, at least twice a day, <laughs> you know, where it's like, hey, thanks for taking care of us, you know, and it's it's the same relationship I'm asking my daughter to to be open to when we have our evening prayers where we, at, you know, say this is what we're grateful for. Here's also what we need help with and thank you. So I guess my question to you really is, if you look at faith and you look at spirituality, what would you say to someone who, who is reaching, right? And, and they don't necessarily believe or are afraid of their old belief systems, but they also feel some type of connection or, or yearning to believe in something bigger than them. What does that look like? So that is absolutely the most beautiful idea that you could say. I would stop and I would say, yes, that's exactly what you want, which means that there could be nothing. And I, I can bring you biblical concepts about this, but but basically there's a concept that God desires a broken heart. And the idea that a person who is desirous, a person that longs, a person that wants to connect, that itself, that feeling, that desire is really the most holy thing that you could ever have. And you can really just kind of want to hope to continue to cultivate that sense throughout your life. I mean, think about it. It's like, you know, no one wants to be locked in this boring relationship. Everyone would want to keep that longing, that desire, that passion for, you know, I'm just saying, just strictly seeking, speaking in a, in a romantic sense. It's like, no one wants the boring day in day out. I'm assuming like that might be the more conventional and it's, you know, if you're going to have a family or, or raise kids, whatever it might be, that might be healthier, but everyone longs for that initial stage. It's actually a verse in, um, I, I believe it's Proverbs. I will get back to you. I apologize if it's wrong, but God says, I remember you when you were, we say it, Jews say it in the, uh, the high holidays in the, in the, uh, new Jewish new year time, the prayers for that day where God says, I remember where you where you fondly, where you wandered out after me into a desert. And that's sort of the the prototype of what a real relationship is, is when you're really wandering out without a ton of clarity, genuine sense, this this concept that I just want, I want you, I want to connect, I have that desire. Um, and then the interesting thing is that with just a little bit of connection into psychology or basic spirituality or anything, you know, we are all the products of our limiting beliefs. And so I always tell people, you know, when you when you feel like God is angry at you, that's not God. That's you. You're angry at you. Or maybe it's your parents that are angry at you. But like God is so much bigger than these petty emotions that if you feel like God is out there judging you, upset at you, you hurt God, God's like waiting for you to fail. That's not God. That's you. And that's your perception. And if that's anyway not true of what God's perception is, so like what benefit, how does it value you to hold those kinds of ideas? And I think that that, you know, so much of so you could write thousands of books and thousands of books have been written about the concept of confronting shame and confronting your negative self-talk and realizing that you are loved and you are desired and you are special. And it's like, you know, I, I give this example, forgive me if I've used this already, but you know, like when I'm stretching in the morning and my little daughter comes next to me, both of them, I mean, like my, my, my 11 year old doesn't do this as often, but uh, my, my six and my four year old both do. And they both will come next to me and like stretch with me. And it's like, I'm not going to sit there and critique their stretch. What's beautiful is they're just like kind of modeling me. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's that same concept that you want to develop 
towards God, which is not thinking he's like looking at you like, wow, you really suck. Like, where did that <laughs> voice come from? You know what I mean? It's like, what are you scared of? It's not, it's, you know, like I, I, you said it beautifully, this idea that, you know, a lot of humans have kind of stepped into the process and made it about control and made it about fear and made it about shame. But those aren't divine traits. Divine trait, God wants you to, to success, be successful. He loves you. He, he's, he, he wants that relationship. And so if you have that desire, even if you don't know all the particulars, like that's a really great place to be. I love it. I think that's really beautiful. And I think back to some of my friends who, as they were kind of searching, there's a fear and there's just this kind of trepidation about, you know, the, a relationship with something larger than yourself. But I found such comfort in it for me. And mine doesn't look like the next person's and it doesn't look like any, you know, formalized religion or anything like that. Well, I think it's, it's, it's like, a, a, it's like a marriage. It's like yeah. at the end of the day or, or, or a relationship. I'm sorry, literally just cut you off. I apologize. What were you going to say? I, well, it's like, it's, it's exactly that. It's like, it's your own personal relationship. It has nothing to do with anyone else or their thought process over it. It's my own relationship. And I appreciate that so much because I didn't think I could have that or that I deserved it. And once you get past that mental model, it's a really beautiful thing. Yeah. And it's like, you, you don't want to go into a, I, I, I had this conversation and this thing trips us up so much because the, uh, and it doesn't matter how, how, you know, financially successful you are, how many people answer to you, you know, how strong you are, whatever it might be. Like we have such a victim mentality. That's like, well, this is what it is. Mm -hmm. And if you change that question to, well, let's say I could make it what I want. Right. And you switch that around. You're like, oh, OK. So as opposed to looking at a marriage, at a marriage, at a relationship, at a business and chipping away and be like, well, this is what's wrong with it. If we assume that we are kind of the 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 it's, there's a there's a famous um, Hasidic teaching, uh, which is uh, which is a, a mystical component of Judaism that says that God is your shadow. Then and the concept there is it's like as opposed to sitting back and being like, well, this is the established program and it sucks. Right. Which is, I think, probably how a lot of people feel about any kind of organized religion, if they say, well, I'm actually the CEO of my own life and my own stewardship over religion, and what do I want that connection to God to look like? Suddenly, you're not thinking from a point of negative, and you're you're in a position of positive. You're like, well, I would I would love for this to be something that I really care about that's important to me. And like, mm -hmm. you can have that. It's yours. I love it. I think it's so beautiful. I, 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 I look at my daughter so many times and now her relationship with her higher power, right? And she calls it God. Um, she went to Catholic school for a little while and it was really cute. She came home and she's like, she appreciates all of it. And we do prayers at night, but she's also like, mom, mass is weird. And I'm like, you can own that. Like you can, if you don't, if you don't connect with it, that's okay. And for we, sure. we talk about religion as being, um, kind of a wrapper of beliefs, but that your beliefs and what you want in your relationship with God is in your heart and in your soul. And that's something that, that you um, you cater and nurture and, and create for yourself. I think that's really beautiful. And I appreciate the, I appreciate, I love talking about religion. I think religion is really beautiful and fascinating. I love talking about spirituality. I think it's really amazing that you can bring a bunch of people in a room and all of us will have a different viewpoint of how we got there but almost all of us have the same desire to get to the same place. It's some place of enlightenment or beauty or perfection or whatever it is. We all are heading in the same direction. We just think that we got to that place from a different, from a different, like a, how we got there, how we arrived, where we're going after sometimes. But at some point in time, there's some piece of enlightenment or, or being kind of like in the, the light of, of God or whatever that may be, universe, divine, whatever the belief system is. 
I want to ask you, I'm, I'm curious because I know that you've had, you know, you, you've had a kind of an interesting kind of road back to religion. And I was talking about you the other day to a friend. I'm like, I've met this rabbi and I feel like he's kind of woke. <laughs> and so that's how, I, that's how I thought about you. And I was wondering if you were to look at a younger version of yourself based on your life experience and everything that you've done, what advice, what would he look like? What age and what advice would you give to him based on, on what you know now? So, it's such a great question because I've done, I do this exercise actually a lot and there's a lot of different parts of myself that I go back to, um, to, to in particular, I guess the message is, is much more than advice. You know, everyone has kind of the, maybe that's the question you asked is what specific advice. I don't think I would give advice. I, I think I would, I would hug and I would protect mm. and I would love, um, and, yeah, there's a, I mean, I don't know how this is going to work in terms of the, in terms of the wokeness of it, but there's a, there's a famous line, not famous line. There's a line in a Tupac song um, <laughs> that, that that talks about how he says that I, I looked for a father and he was gone. And my whole life, I, I would, you know, it's the, it's the classic character traits of a boy that doesn't have a father in the sense that, you know, kind of looking for that approval, that looking for that protection, looking for that love, looking for that just general approach that it's all going to be okay. And I would provide that, um, for myself. And I actually do through some of my, uh, you know, meditation and journaling techniques. I do, I do do that. Um, but I, I think that that's so much more than just saying, Hey, it's all going to work out, dude, because of course it's going to work out, but, but much more than it, me knowing it's going to work out, me feeling good and safe and secure and protected. Like, that's really important. And so the more that I could do that for myself, the more, uh, just the stronger I would be. And I think the more genuine, like just lack of, lack of fear that I would operate under, you know, it's just like all this stuff. Well, you know what? It's a good question. So I will say a little bit more. I was thinking a lot about how I oftentimes coupled friendship with romantic interests as a child, um, teenager, whatever you want. And that's difficult because Friendship is is a lot more accepting than romantic love, uh, but sometimes it's easier to go for the friendship route than it is for the romantic love um, aspect. And um, it, you know these things got crossed over a lot when I was a kid, and so it, it 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 messed me up. And I didn't really, like I said, I didn't really have a man figure to tell me like, you know, this is where you talk about these things. This is where you don't talk about these mm. things. You want a friendship, you know, with a lover. You might not want a you, you want to love this, right? Like how all these things work out. It's just, I, I think it's the practical advice that, that just would accompany a person through their life. But it's, but more than that, just an unwavering sense of love and, and attachment and that, that I'm, I'm great. I love that. So I had Josh Dittmer on my podcast um, a while back and he talks about kind of like male rights of initiation because his father mm -hmm. was not present in his life. And he talks specifically about how boys need men to learn how to, like they need role models. They need men to teach them how to be strong, beautiful men. Women, they love their moms, right? But they need a man to be like, here's the way things work. And to, and, and to create this kind of bridge. And I love the fact that you did not give advice because I hear a lot of advice and a lot of the advice is similar when I asked this question, but it was more an action and an emotion. It was basically almost the reparenting of the younger child to feel a sense of calm and presence and to feel protected and guided, 
right? And I think that's the thing that's so important to me when I look at my daughter is I want her to feel that I am her guide, her life concierge, her protector, so that she always knows that she can come to me and be like, mom, talk to me about this. Like we even said the other day, she's got little crushes at school. And I said, when a boy starts to ask you to be his girlfriend or wants to hold your hand or wants to kiss you, I need you to come tell me, not because you're in trouble, but because then I need to talk to you about a different level of things that you're not ready for. And that's expectations and boundaries. And she's like, okay. And she understands what boundaries are. And to me, I'm like, that's that's precious, right? Because I didn't have that kind of guidance to help me walk into relationships and understand what a good friend is or what expectations or boundaries were appropriate when it became a like versus like situation. Um, so I just, I think that that's really beautiful. So thank you for that. That was probably one of the most profound um, kind of visualizations back to younger self that I've, I've had on the show. Just sitting there with your arm around the younger self. That's, that's what I, that's what I visualize. Yeah, just, I love like, it. You know? Yeah. I love it. Um, if you were to leave behind some nuggets of wisdom, gold nuggets, um, knowing that you were leaving this earth and you wanted to leave something for the next generation, what would it be? Um, that's a really, really wonderful question. Um, and it's so easy to fall into saying something trite mm-hmm. and I don't want to. Um it's it's interesting that in the book of of Ecclesiastes, King Solomon is is largely credited as being one of the most intelligent people that ever lived. And a lot of times we just don't even realize that because we're thinking about intelligent people. We're, we're not usually checking the Bible. But um, he goes through basically an experiential. He like literally experiences everything you possibly can. And he says at the end of at the end of life, you know, the things you're looking for is is connection and with another person, um, versus a, sorry to go on a, on a short, on a short diatribe, you know, as, as opposed it. to leveraging your intimate life for power or for influence or for your ego, you know, really connect to someone, one, you know, one, one person, not to, uh, not to be in any way judgmental to the multiple people, but, uh, you know, really try to find that one person who can be a life partner for you. And um, and and that you should love God. That's what he says. Love, not this concept of of be in terror of. And again, if you don't love God, it probably means you don't love yourself. So then it means like love yourself, and um, and and try to live accordingly. I think th- those are really at the end of the day, life is life is super simple, and it's just the 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 nuances of each individual and the, and the and the situation that that kind of throw things into uh, into chaos at times. Yeah, it's so true. I think it's really beautiful to think of the connection, right? Because so many times we're in this rapid, I need to acquire, I need to have success, I need to have power, I need to have my name, I need to I need to prove rather than looking across the table at the person that you want by your side as you're doing those things that you want next to you when you're when you're leaving this earth who's looking at you and loving you and you've created a life. Um the sick part about that is when you have to prove like, no, at the end of the day, there's like no one that's going to give you that award. You know what I mean? That's like, yeah. that's the worst part of it. So it's like, there's nothing to prove. And we just, we try to convince ourselves there is something, but at the end of the day, it's like, well, you know, you lived your life according to this script, but they, you know, that was your call, you know? Yeah. 
100%. I want to thank you so much for coming on and talking with me. I love, we could talk a lot longer and we would bore the listeners with all the nerdy stuff I would want to get into. Um, but I really appreciate having someone who can share kind of a spiritual, religious, and practical way of looking at life. And so I really appreciate you. Thank you for coming on and sharing your gold with us. It is my pleasure. And I would venture to push back and say, even if your listeners would be would be um, bored by that, I would challenge you to say, come back on my show and ask me and speak about all those nuances, because I think it would be fascinating for my listeners. And, uh, and, and I'm, I'm very interested to sort of pick your brain and go further. I love it. Let's do it. Let's do it. We have a, Thank we you. Have a plan. Thanks so much. Amazing. Have a great day. You Thank you so much for joining me today. I love this conversation and reminder that sometimes the way we understand the world around us, faith and path, is through a very narrow lens. Get clear on what you want in life and be open to what comes next. As always, please subscribe to this podcast, leave a review, and don't forget to share with your friends. I'm always interested in content that uplifts, so if you have things you'd like to hear about, please share them with me in the comments. You can also find me on Instagram at ms.janetteschneider or Twitter at msjwrites. If you want some help moving toward that intentional life, join me every week on my intention journey. I'm inviting you, totally free, from my heart to your inbox. Sign up for my hashtag girl tribe at janetteschneider.com and before you even wake up on Monday mornings, there will be a huge dose of motivation waiting for you. Yes, I will wake you up on Monday morning with intention setting prompts and give you some tips as to what is setting my soul on fire. On Fridays, I'm going to remind you to let go, recharge, and love yourself up with some self-care prompts to get present in your downtime. Intentional living is where it's at, y'all. Until next time, in the words of my grandma, love each other every day.